to the Unbridled Enthusiasm podcast. I'm Mark Poulos, your host. It's good to be back. Hope you enjoyed the uh, last episode I did where I basically lifted the curtain on all the most embarrassing things that have happened in my life. Uh, For this podcast, decided to uh, chat a little bit about uh, my life before comedy um, right before I became a comic, actually into me becoming a comic, uh, I worked at uh, Mystic Lake Casino, which is uh, a casino that's on a Native American reservation down in uh, Shakopee. And uh, so my shift was uh, graveyard, as they called it, which was uh, I would start work at 2 in the morning and work until 10 in the morning and I would leave. It was a very uh, tough shift to say the least. Um, I don't know if anybody out there has ever worked a night shift before where you basically completely flip your schedule where you're uh, sleeping during the daytime and you're up at night but uh, it really messes with you man. To this day I think I still have some residual effects of working that night shift like sometimes around four o'clock in the afternoon I'll be tired for no reason whatsoever and I just remember those nights where you know it was four or five in the morning and I was just exhausted man but uh, for this podcast I thought it'd be fun to uh, tell some of the most outrageous stories that happened while I was dealing blackjack I know uh, a lot of people interested on uh kind of the the background on the game and stuff because uh you know there's rumors that fly around about uh you know if you're playing at a casino or whatever and you're winning that they'll switch dealers on you so they'll bring in uh a dealer which they call a closer uh which is basically just a dealer uh that uh doesn't give away a lot of money for whatever it's the very strangest thing ever but just like people are lucky and unlucky at the casino there were dealers at the casino where for whatever reason they would give away a lot of money and then there was other dealers where no matter how lucky you were that they were just closers for some reason nobody could beat them and i'm not going to say that 100% every single time somebody was winning, they would switch out the dealer and put somebody in there to beat you. But I saw it happen a couple times. You know, I was considered uh, a house dealer, which basically meant uh, that, uh, no, I wasn't called a house dealer. I'm sorry. House dealers were the ones that that, uh, beat everybody. I was called the dumper which basically meant I dumped a bunch of money to everybody every table that I went to. So it was kind of funny because when I first started, um, they were short on dealers 
to work up in high stakes. So basically what they did was, um, so the way it went down was uh, you couldn't just go there and become a blackjack dealer. You actually had to learn the game of blackjack, so you had to go to school. So the casino has a school that you go through to learn how to deal blackjack. And it's just a lot of the mechanics, like pulling the cards out of the shoe and, and laying them down in front and figuring out how to put the chips next to the chips and how to sweep up the cards and how to kind of mostly it was a lot about the security on the table to make sure that you were able to protect your cards and the money in the tray and all that kind of stuff but uh, before I went to take the class I didn't realize how much math was involved with blackjack like I just assumed that you would throw the cards out there and just point at them but uh, when you're a blackjack dealer uh, they teach you to count the cards for the customers and I've never involved got involved with anything harder in my life man I'm horrible at math like uh, somehow I was able to graduate college without taking anything other than business math I still to this day don't know how I pulled it off but it was a lot of juking and jiving, making it through uh, the transfer credits and getting out of the University of Minnesota with uh, with no math. <laughs> so basically, you'd like you throw the cards down at one at somebody's spot. Like let's say it's a six and an eight, you have to immediately be like fourteen and look at the person or whatever. And uh, needless to say, that was my biggest hurdle to get over in class. Uh, I was actually pretty good at shuffling and dealing the cards and sweeping them up and stuff like that, but my math was just ridiculous. Uh, so it, it turned out that uh, I was one of the, the top people that came out of the class, and it was actually pretty funny because... Uh, so with each class, when you were finished, you would have uh, kind of like this graduation thing where right before you actually went to the casino to work they wanted to see because uh, most of the class you were just kind of dealing cards and cutting chips and doing stuff by yourself on the blackjack table and sometimes a teacher would sit down with you and you would deal cards to them and they would play blackjack with you and you'd kind of see if you were doing it correctly or whatever but on graduation uh, they actually held a tournament at the school and uh, any dealers or security people or anybody that worked at the casino could come and sign up for the tournament. And mostly, you know, a lot of the people that were in the school were uh, friends or family of people that were already working at the casino because the referral program over there was really good. So, um, so most of the people that would sign up for the tournament were friends and family of the people that were in the school. And then they kind of, you know, shove their elbows to get to their person's table and, and uh, you know, kind of give them crap as they were dealing and stuff. So my brother and two of his friends uh, showed up uh, to make sure that they were on my table so they could give me a bunch of crap as I was trying to graduate from blackjack school. And they came in drunker than a bunch of skunks, <laughs> and they're just sitting at my table 
just ha 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 deal me those cards you damn blackjack dealer and uh god i'll never forget it man it was so fucking funny and uh they actually almost got thrown out of the mock blackjack tournament at blackjack school for being too drunk and loud it was just ridiculous so anyways i tested really high out of the school and they were short on uh dealers up in high stakes well i was a little still shaky on my math but i was i was probably at about 80 percent but i had never been tested in the casino as to whether or not uh i was a dumper or a house dealer they just were really hurting for you know clean cut professional dealers that knew what they were doing up in high stakes so when i went into the casino i was immediately sent up to high stakes so this is a pretty funny story so uh i a lot of the times on the night shift um especially during the week there's not a lot of people in the casino so the graveyard shift was kind of a thankless shift because a lot of the time you just stood at a table with your cards fanned waiting for somebody to come play. So uh, so I was up in high stakes for the first week. A couple of the days they closed tables and then they sent me down to like the $5 table or whatever. And, uh, you know, had some people play at my table and whatever, but it was like win-loss. It wasn't a real clear determinant on whether I was going to be a house dealer or a dumper. So right around Christmas time... Uh, they were short on dealers because it was holiday time. So I got put uh, up in high stakes for uh, two weeks through Christmas. So I was up there dealing and, you know, uh, in high stakes, the coolest part about the blackjack job is like when you're playing on the low stakes table uh, because it's it's actually pretty physical because you're standing and you're using your hands and your shoulders and stuff for like an hour um, that every hour you get a 20-minute break. So the way that they set it up is that it's almost like on an eight-hour shift, you're only working seven hours, and the rest of it is breaks. Up in high stakes, the way they've got it set up is you work 40 minutes, and then you get a 20-minute break just in case there's a dealer up there that's a dumper. You know That way they can stem the bleeding, as it were, you know? So around Christmas time, I'm up there. I go to the first table, and nobody's playing. Then I go to the second table, and uh, there's a couple guys playing. And um, I end up giving up. Like, the table was a 200 minimum bet to a $2,000 uh, maximum bet. And they were both playing, like, 200 bucks and whatever. And for 40 minutes, it was, like, up and down or whatever. And then... Uh, so I go to the table behind me, and there's one lady playing. And uh, she's playing three spots on the table. And she's got uh, $2,000 on every spot. So she's betting $6,000 a hand. I've never seen that much money up close or, or anything. So I came up to the table, and uh, I got really nervous because she had all that money on the table. And I was just like... Okay, so uh, uh, I deal the first hand. So I give her uh, two eights on the first hand, two aces on the second hand, 
and 19 on the third hand, then I'm showing a 6. She splits the 8s. Uh, I give her another 8, so now she's got three 8s. Two of them she double downs on. So uh, in blackjack, I don't know how many people play blackjack, but if you get two of the same card, you can split them, but you have to put up the equal amount of money that you bet. So if you bet 2,000, so she bet 2,000, she had to put another 2,000 up to split it. Then she got another 8, so she put another 2,000 up. And uh, in blackjack, they allow you to do something called double down, where uh, whatever your first two cards are, you can match uh, the money that you've bet, or you can actually double for less. You could even, if you're betting $2,000, you could bet a dollar and double down on it. It's kind of stupid. It makes no sense. But um, So she had three eighths, so that's 6,000. Uh, she got a two on the first hand, so she had ten. So she doubled down, got a seven. Uh, the second hand, I gave her a three for eleven, which is the best double down because uh, you know if you get a seven, eight, nine, or ten, you know you're sitting pretty good, especially against my six. And then uh, she split the aces three times, and when you split aces for whatever reason in the game of blackjack you only get one card that's it uh, you can't hit it again or whatever so so when I go to turn over my card she has let's see so she has two four six eight ten twelve fourteen sixteen eighteen she has eighteen thousand dollars on the table and I'm showing a six. I flip my down card and it's a four so now I have ten and the highest hand that she has on the table is nineteen. I pull a ten for twenty. So I've now beat every single hand that she has on the table. So I just start picking up her eighteen thousand dollars and I am just like freaking out because I'm like this lady is going to like take her shoe off and hit me in the face she's going to dive over the table or something I pick up all her chips and sweep up the card she just takes out a cigarette and lights it and reaches into the inside pocket of her uh, leather jacket and throws just a wad of cash onto the table and uh, for the next like 20 minutes I'm counting out all the $100 bills and it was like something like 15,000 or something like that. So I gave her the chips and right around that time it was time for me to get off the table already. I mean that one hand and and her buying more chips took like 40 minutes. So after that I became kind of a legend in high stakes like, "Oh man, this guy's a house dealer. You know, we got to get him on uh, all the other tables and he's going to be our go-to guy to take a table down or whatever." And I was just like, wow. And I didn't really feel like a house dealer. Like, I had been down on some of the $5 tables, and people have, were turning, like, 10 bucks into, like, 400 And I was like, man, maybe I'm a dumper. Like, I don't know. So, uh, so I, I kind of continued on that line where I was kind of taking people's money and whatever. And then, uh, and then there was that one day... I went up to high stakes, I think it was a couple days before Christmas, 
and uh, I had been down dealing on like the five and ten dollar tables and they needed somebody because like a lot of times during the night they would close sections down and uh, they had a policy that if somebody was playing on a table that they weren't allowed to close the table until that person got up and left like they couldn't go you know what sir we're going to close this table so you have to leave like they were courteous that way especially up in high stakes they would let people play until it was time to leave or whatever so they were trying to close the section in high stakes and there was just one guy playing on this table and he was winning he had started with like five hundred dollars and he had worked it up to somewhere in the neighborhood of like eleven thousand or something like that so they go okay mark we need you to go in there and we need you to close the table out so it was me and this other guy we're going to be doing half-hour sessions on the table. So uh, I get on there, and I just start dealing with this guy. He's playing two hands. He won every single hand I dealt him for the entire half an hour that I was there. He was betting uh, a 1000 on each hand, and uh, it was probably like a four-deck shoe, four four playing card decks of cards in, in the shoe. And the shoe is the thing that holds the cards, if you don't know it. And uh, so, yeah, when I got tapped off the table, he had won $56,000. I gave him $56,000. So, uh, and, and the funny part was, too, like a lot of, because the way the hierarchy went, like there was a dealer, and then you had a floor person, and the floor person usually watched four tables, kind of kept an eye on the chip count, uh, the players, you know, got their player cards and asked them if they needed anything, and then there was a uh, 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 a pit pit boss, where, like, let's say there was. 12 tables in a pit so there would be uh, for it, so there'd be three floor supervisors and one pit boss so the pit boss would watch over it's kind of like that movie Casino if you ever saw that so it was like the floors watch the dealers the pit bosses watch the floors the shift, shift managers watch the pit bosses and then the eye in the sky watches everybody so but it was just so funny because a lot of times when you would, you know, dump a lot of money to people on a table, like the floor person would take it personally and kind of feel slighted. Like, you know, I can't, I can't go to the pit boss and be like, dude, my, my section's down like $56,000, you know, that's not going to look good to the, to the bosses and stuff. So my floor pulled me aside and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just stealing the cards. And uh, he starts giving me a tutorial about how to shuffle cards right there on the on the stand. And I was like, dude, I know how to shuffle cards. And he's like, well, you're not doing it right because this guy just keeps winning. And I was like, okay. And he literally said this to me. He goes, the next time you go on the table, and if it's going the same way, dump the shoe. And this was the first time I ever had a, I had a supervisor tell me to do this. And dump the shoe meant 
somehow, with your great acting skills, knock the shoe off the table and make the cards go everywhere. That way, they can shut the table down for a little bit while they clean up all the cards, and then there'll be like a security breach, so they'll have to sweep up all those cards, and then they'll have to get a whole new decks of cards in there, thinking that somehow that's going to stop this guy from from making a bunch of money. So I was dumbfounded. So I went on my break, and I came back, and... uh the other guy that was on the table, he had taken about ten grand back from him. But he was still up like, you know, whatever, forty thousand dollars. So he uh I start dealing to him again and he starts winning. So he gets back the ten grand that he lost from the other guy, and it looks like I'm gonna have to dump the shoe. And then his phone rings, steps away from the table, and he comes back and he goes all right, I gotta go. And I was like, you have to go. And it turned out that he was a mailman and he tried to call into work because he was obviously on the run of a lifetime at this blackjack table, but they wouldn't let him. They told him that uh, they don't allow anybody to take time off during Christmas week, especially two days before Christmas because it's so busy with the packages and everything. So he had to leave. And I don't know, man, maybe that was good for him. You know, maybe he uh, he would have lost it back, but who knows? All I know is, after that day, I was on the $2 tables for almost a year. And I was just like, man, this is so stupid. Like, I was like dubbed the biggest dumper in the history of Mystic Lake after that. Nobody's ever seen anybody give away $50,000 in a half an hour. And I was like, oh, Christ. But I kind of like the $2 tables, man. Pretty A lot of funny stories from down there. Like, uh, uh, I talk about it in my comedy show. But I was, uh, I was, I was standing at my table one night. And uh, a lady came through the, the front doors. And she has one of those big, like comical like whiplash neck braces on uh her arm is in a sling and uh one of her legs is in one of those like knee leg brace things and she's got a cane and uh so she kind of like slowly starts creeping up to my table and uh i didn't say it to her because that that would have probably got me in trouble but i turned to the guy that was playing on my table and i said man is this lady serious? I was like, it looks like her luck is spread a little thin, you know, and this guy starts howling, laughing, and she sat down and literally lost every penny that she had. Let's see, some of the other funny... Oh, yeah, I had a time where uh, I was dealing on my table, and uh, a guy ended up having a seizure. Like, he... uh, he seized up in his chair and he fell out of his chair onto the floor and just started like flopping around and it was terrifying like I I pulled the cover like you know on a blackjack table where the chips are they have a cover that's stored underneath the table it's like this glass thing that has handles on it and you kind of snap it in place and then the pit boss has keys to all the the covers so this guy fell out of his chair and he's flopping around 
So I pulled out the uh, the glass cover and I put it on my chips, and we were all just kind of standing there as like, because uh, the casino had um, first aid people like EMS or something there, and they were kind of working on him, making sure that he was okay or whatever. And uh, we're all just kind of dumbfounded watching this stuff happen. And my uh, my shift boss is walking by, and he's standing kind of at the end of the pit, and he said, "Hey, Pulos." And I said, yeah. And he goes, what's going on? And I go, this guy had a seizure. He fell out of his chair. And I swear to God, the shift boss looks over there, sees this guy on the ground, like, flopping around with the two EMS guys working on him. And he goes, looks like they got it under control. Pull your cover. Start dealing. I was like, oh, my God. This place is ludicrous. I had a... Another time, like in the in the two dollar pit, they had these uh, these two tables that were handicap accessible, which basically meant that uh, instead of them being like kind of kind of like a bar table, that, like a high top, they were like lower tables and uh, lower to the ground that someone in a wheelchair could roll up to. And those were like the worst tables, man. Like I. Uh, I'd sit there and wait for somebody to come play, and like three separate times, I fell asleep at the blackjack table. Do you realize how much of a breach of security that is to have the dealer that, you know, and the $2 tables, there was maybe like a thousand bucks in the tray as opposed to high stakes where there's like, you know, half a million or whatever. But I fell asleep at the table, and my pit. Uh, boss walks by and slapped me in the back of the head and he was like you fucking fall asleep again and you're fired and I'll tell you what that'll wake you up that'll wake you up real quick let's see what uh... oh I had another uh, incident where I was I was dealing blackjack and uh, it was interesting too because on the weekends where you would work and you did the 2am to 10am shift you'd get a lot of people from the bars because uh the casino out there was 18 and up so it was uh a lot of kids and stuff were coming out there late at night a lot of drunk people and i was uh dealing on my table one time and there was two people that uh were being all lovey-dovey like on the table kissing and whatnot and I went on break and I came back and they were gone. And my floor supervisor was like, man, you missed it. He's like, those two people had to be thrown out of here. And I was like, why? And he goes, because the girl was giving the guy a, a hand job under the table. And I was like, oh, for God's sakes. I was like, what is it about blackjack that would turn you on so much that you'd need an HJ at the blackjack table? It was just ridiculous. Let's see if uh, I've got any more stories about the uh, the casino. Well, there was one guy uh, that ended up stealing like thousands of dollars from the casino. When I heard that story, I was just like completely baffled, man. Apparently, this guy uh, was stealing a $500 chip every day for like three years and he got so fast at it that when they actually 
did catch him and the way that they caught him was um he was up in high stakes and uh usually when a f- when uh, a new floor comes on he'll just as a uh, a force of habit go and count all the uh the upper tier chips on the table like down in the five dollar tables it would be like the hundred dollar chips and up in high stakes you'd count all the five hundred dollar chips just to kind of get a count of the chips so this numbskull got so uh entrenched in his theft felt like he was untouchable so he actually stole the chip off the table and nobody had played at the table for like two hours so when the guy came and counted the table it was obvious that he stole a chip and he was so brazen that he was actually downstairs like having lunch before he went home somebody tipped him off that they were coming for him so he actually uh flushed flushed the chip down the toilet and uh and yeah they they fired him but they couldn't prosecute him it was it was pretty ridiculous i think the uh one of the funniest moments there was uh i uh i got interested in comedy and i was gonna go and i and i got like five weeks of work booked and this was back in like 2001 i was like so excited i had five weeks of work booked i was like oh my god man this is so crazy and then uh so i was like but how am i gonna do that without quitting my job so my brother was like why don't you just take a leave of absence so i actually went into my supervisor's office and i asked them uh i want to leave for a month to do stand-up comedy like how would i do that and my supervisor's like well they're not going to approve a leave of absence to go work another job so that's not going to fly so i said oh okay so i left and then i went back in on a different shift to file my leave of absence and i just said that i was going to like take care of a sick uncle or something for a month and they approved it so i left for a month went on the road did comedy got a huge taste for it and uh loved it and knew that's what i wanted to do for you know the rest of my life but i knew i really didn't have enough stuff booked to kind of leave my job and go so i had to come back but i came back part-time and it was hilarious because the first day i was back from my leave of absence the first table i was at the first hand i dealt uh just snap all the cards out there really hard and everybody goes through their hit and stay stuff i flip my cards over i snap a couple cards i pay everybody and then i sweep up all the cards and i put them in the discard rack and everybody's not touching their money they're all staring at me and i go i pulled 21 didn't i and they were like yeah you did and i was like nah fuck it i won't be here for longer <laughs> i just kept dealing but that was uh that was a pretty amazing time man I was, i'll still remember it it was uh, a couple weeks before christmas 2002 uh i had been working part-time at the casino for about three months or so and uh i looked at my calendar and I had about six months worth of work booked as a stand-up comic. 
I just looked at it and I was just like, if there's any time that I would do this, it's right now. So I went into uh, my supervisor's office and a couple of the pit bosses were in there and I said, hey, I'm going to put in my notice, my two weeks notice, because uh, I'm going to go be a stand-up comic. And they all laughed. And the one guy goes, well, good luck. We'll see you in a couple months. And shook my hand. And that was 13 years ago. And I'll tell you what, man. There's no better feeling in the world than when I added up my money for the year the first time and realized I had made more money doing stand-up comedy than I ever had working full-time at a job paying above minimum wage. Like, they were paying close to 18 bucks an hour. And that first time I added up my money, and it was more than I was making at the casino. Man, that was a good feeling. And it still is to look back on that and just be amazed. But, uh... The casino was good, man. It was good while it lasted. It was interesting and, you know, kind of glad that I'm out of that life now, trying to keep clean off of gambling and everything. It's just, uh, it's a tough life. And uh, I have a lot of respect for uh, blackjack dealers and casino people and stuff because they get all the smoke blown in their face and they get horrible shifts and, you know, they have to, God, wear all those tight clothes. High stakes, it was always like some shitty vest and a bow tie. And uh, nothing ever really fit me right. And I was always sweating. Especially in the summertime when it was like 100 degrees outside. And I have to wear slacks and a vest and a bow tie at fucking work. And I mean, it was a casino, so the air conditioning worked pretty good. Until it was like Saturday night. And there was like 7,000 Asian people in there that wanted to gamble. Oh, yeah, a lot of Asian people at Mystic Lake, by the way. I don't know what their thing is with gambling, but my God, do they love gambling. They come in with their sacks full of money from their laundromats and their restaurants and just let it roll. But, uh, yeah. So, as always, if you want to check out more of my stuff, uh, largedrunkman.com is my website. I am Large Drunk Man on Twitter and Facebook. Um, Podbean, the Unbridled Enthusiasm podcast. And, uh, yeah, tune in next week when we uh, talk about who knows.